Many people in our food community have been seriously impacted by Superstorm Sandy, and our hearts go out to them. At HRN, we've been covering these stories since the storm hit. To learn more, visit our website at www.heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We are Groundworks, Inc. I'm Alice Marcus-Krieg, and my co-host, Carmen DeVito, is off today, taking a day of rest, which is very good. We miss you, Carmen. Um, And our company, Groundworks, designs, installs, and maintains gardens in and around New York City. So We Dig Plants brings the culture to horticulture, and because it's Thanksgiving week, we thought it would be apropos to talk about the farmers that grow the food that we're celebrating. So today we have an amazing book and author, uh, Richard Haran, and his new book, Harvest, An Adventure into the Heart of America's Family Farms. Richard, in this book, travels coast to coast, visiting organic farms and working on the harvests of more than a dozen essential or unusual food crops. Welcome, Richard. Thank you very much, Alice. Thanks so much for joining us from upstate New York. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Richard is a novelist, an English teacher, and a book reviewer for several national publications. So, Richard, tell us about this book, Harvest, and what was the inspiration, and how did you come to pick the farms that you profiled? Well, that's a mouthful uh, to answer all of those, um, but let me start with uh, what inspired me first. I um, wasn't feeling very good about uh, the way the country was going, um, I'm actually a dual citizen, so I was I was considering moving back overseas, and um, you know I was uh, working as a substitute teacher, um, not making much money. And uh, one day I was sitting out in my car in the parking lot of Walmart and <laughs> waiting for my daughter to uh, purchase a cell phone that I couldn't afford, <laughs> and uh, I heard Arturo Rodriguez. Uh, the president of the United Farm Workers um, uh-huh. on the radio being interviewed on NPR. And he, had, he was challenging Americans um, who were complaining about uh, you know, uh, illegal immigrants coming across the, the, the border and stealing their jobs, and he was challenging Americans to go out and uh, apply for jobs as farm workers uh-huh. if they wanted to complain. Right. And, um, and so... Um, something about that just um, really uh, resonated with me, 
My uh, my immigrant uh, grandfather uh, had a fruits and vegetables uh, distribution company, and as a little kid, I spent a lot of time with him around fruits and vegetables. And uh, there was just something about that idea of going around and being around the fruits and vegetables and participating in the harvest uh, that inspired me. Uh-huh. And so uh, I proposed this uh, with the help from my agent and uh, and an editor friend of mine. And uh, so uh, Harper Collins uh, decided to sponsor me, and uh, so off I went. As far as how I uh, came upon these wonderful uh national treasures that uh, we call farmers uh it was all serendipity i um i wanted to harvest crops that i loved mm-hmm. um fruits like um like peaches and oranges and uh peanuts and walnuts and uh, cranberries and uh asparagus and all these uh vegetables so i put a list together and um just uh, through serendipity found uh, some names and addresses and sent out uh, quite a lot of, of letters uh, requesting that they allow me to come on their farm and work for free for about a week. Um, right. I told them this wasn't going to be a muckraking book. Right. And uh, so um, I got responses, and each and every person who wrote back uh, with uh, glowing enthusiasm um, that's where I ended up. Now, some of the crops I never did get a chance to to harvest for one reason or another. Right, because but, of timing uh, I ended and up things. harvesting about 13. Uh-huh. And so, uh, yeah, it's all in there, and, and each uh, farm, each family farm was uh, more inspirational and joyous than the next. Did you have a gardening background at all or a farming background as you... Yes, that's it. I have a gardening background, okay. uh, and that's it. There's a huge distinction to be made between gardening and farming. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that was uh, quite apparent even from the very beginning. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, well, what was, um, what was most surprising to you about working on a farm versus working on your garden, other than the harvest? That's an excellent <laughs> question, and I can answer that. Uh, I, was, um, I was amazed at the pace of the work. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know, as a gardener, there's no hurry. Time is not of the essence. And so when I'm out in the garden digging the soil or planting, I always feel very relaxed. And, uh, and this is not the pace of things uh, when it comes to harvest time. Um, and I say this in my book, if it weren't for youth, there would be no farms. Yeah, um, yeah. You need, uh, you need speed and you need energy and youth. Uh, to get that product off the vine quickly and expeditiously. Yeah, efficiently. So that was, um, that was a big surprise for me. Um, you know, a 50-year-old man out there, and I'm good shape and everything, but I just uh, was not prepared uh, for the pace of the work. Right, right. Well, we, yeah, we often find the same thing in our, uh, I mean, to draw a correlation, um, in our gardening world, we were landscape contractors, so time is money, um, and 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 that's where I think we, you know, and we're working outside and we're working with plants. But I think that's where where it's very similar. Um, and our gardeners have learned that 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 it is a business and it's not it's not relaxation. Um, and you know, you have to hump soil and you have to work hard and you have to, you know, get 
physically dirty and but I think at the end of the day that's what's most rewarding is that wow you know I've been I've been paid for this and I feel like I did something instead of just sitting in some cumicle someplace uh, absolutely I you know you've hit upon the the it of it all uh, yeah there's no greater feeling um, to be using your body um, and to be out in nature and uh, pulling the fruits of your labor, and uh, at the end of the day, um, much like teaching, and that's what I've done, you, you feel that, uh, good or bad, you've done a wonderful job uh, because it's such important work. Right. Well, you have this gorgeous description of a visible, um, of, of what a farm looks like uh, from page 72, and I'm going to read it here. Um, oh, wonderful. And it reads... Um, as I came over the hill, past the chickens, flowers, and berry bushes, the beauty of the rows of herbs and vegetables revealed itself to me as an elegant five-acre script, growing there in long lines, living or like a living text, the varied rows of herbs and vegetables, each plant a letter, each row a phrase, presented a transcendent form of communication. All the glorious shapes and flavors, colors and odors, tastes and varieties expressed in line after line, the highest form of human achievement and human passion and human desire. Now, that's an amazing description to me, both of the visible farm, but also of the physical human hand at work and that, you know, art and science working together and the body and the mind engaged in nourishment, both the creation of nourishment and and food and and sustenance, but also the satisfaction of the nourishment towards the soul. So to me, that yeah. was that was just Thank like you. that. That summed up everything about your book. Thank you. Um, well, I'm glad you chose that particular line. That was a very strong uh, moment for me, sort of an epiphany, um, where it, it did sort of come together for me as you know. I think it was uh, Jared Diamond who said uh, back in 1987 that perhaps uh, the greatest mistake in human history was agriculture. And, um, you know, so I, I went out uh, with that uh, quote in mind, and um, and it was at that point, I think, uh, where I realized how utterly wrong he was. Yeah, that's a crazy uh, it, statement. It yeah, it is. But, I, you know, he reduced it down when you think about what agriculture has done, um, you know, it has given us time to think and to ponder our existence, and then that's led to all sorts of mischief. Um, but even <laughs> on an environmental um, level, yeah. the idea that, uh, you know, all of these poisons and all of this soil erosion uh, and the global warming and so on and so forth is directly attributable uh, to agriculture, which, you know, is the greatest, uh, leaves the the largest carbon footprint. Right, um, sure. But um, but at the same time, I think it's, uh, to the contrary, it's our greatest achievement because with that, we've had other great, incredible advances uh, in medical science and so on, the life expectancy, right. uh, the, even the increase of population. Um, and I think it's our challenge to see now, okay, so we've reversed our hunter-gatherer sort of... Uh, mean condition to something uh, far more exalted, but can we, um, can we live with ourselves? Mm -hmm. we, have, uh, we have this wonderful food that we can grow and so on, um, 
you know, but can we do it sustainably? Can we, can we make it to the next millennium? Right. Well, what I also really loved about all of the profiles of all the different farms, I was kind of looking for themes and, and, you know, you, you said a, there was a theme of youth, and there was also a theme of hope, obviously, in each farm. And there was also flexibility on behalf of the farmer that seemed to be apparent, um, and variety on the farm, organic versus uh, an organic varied um, right. palette versus a monoculture. And then the idea of closed circle farming, which I really, which I really like, that's where every you know, every portion of, of the farm is, is utilized um, to its 10th right. degree. Um, and I, I actually really like that. But I found that you kind of harvested your own, you, you had your own sort of harvest in this book in that this visual description that I just read, that actually is, is it's such interesting prose if you just take it from a literary standpoint because you're actually talking about um, communication, you know, and, and right. you've, you've laid out a garden plan, but you've done it in, in, in a, in a, you know, a very like, I don't know, like a English rest or like a English class sentence recipe kind of oh. format. <laughs> That's kind right. of how I thought of it, you know? Uh-huh. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I just, it is a form of communication. It It is a high art. Uh-huh. It, 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 you know, it is everything glorious that we attribute to, attribute to the word art and, and, and culture and ideas. And, yeah. And it's all out there on the farm. You know, I think they're very, uh, just after I had that epiphany about um, the uh, rows of vegetables and herbs and so on representing language and expressing uh, meaning, um, I also had this epiphany that uh, these, these now these family farms of ours not only are they national treasures, but they've become like our cathedrals and churches, uh-huh. um, you know, of, of a different era, if we go back to the Renaissance or, or that sort of period, right? Uh, you know, which was a period of high culture. Um, now I, I look at these, uh, these family farms as sort of these sepulchers, these, these, um, not sepulchers, these uh, great cathedrals and churches, and um, I, I see them becoming more and more uh, you know, symbolic of all that's good and, and all that's full of hope. So yeah. uh, there's definitely a new day uh, coming here. We have a huge groundswell movement of, of young people moving and thinking of, along uh, the terms of sustainability and, and greening and farming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and so, uh, again, that was my purpose in setting out. I did not have a lot of good... <laughs> vibrations about living in America, um, and um, after that experience going around and participating in the harvests, you know, from the, uh, from the Ojibwe tribes up north and, and pulling off the sacred uh, uh, wild rice all the way out to the high plains of Kansas and participating in, you know, cutting organic uh, uh, turkey red wheat that had right. come over with the Mennonites. Right. Uh, I, I'm just joyous and, uh, and very... Uh, enthusiastic about uh, the future of farming, especially in the United States. Well, uh, we do have to take a break, but but um, thank you so much for, for joining us. Hang on to the line. Uh, okay, we'll be right back. Pleasure. And uh, this is our Thanksgiving show on Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> 
You're listening to Bang Bang Sun by Iggy Dean on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Washed rind cheeses are a fairly recent addition to the repertoires of artisanal cheesemakers in the United States. These cheeses tend to be stinkier than other types and are often high on the list of connoisseurs. Now, Whole Foods Market has come up with one of their own. The raw cow's milk cheese made by Sprout Creek Farm in Poughkeepsie, New York, is washed with six-point ale from Red Hook, Brooklyn. The beige sticky rind deepens in color as it ages. The satiny ivory cheese within is mellow with a sweetly tangy bite and a grassy aroma. The current version features six-point diesel, which is in limited supply, so stop by and pick up some before it's gone. And point-of-origin cheese is sold exclusively at Whole Foods Market in New York, northern New Jersey, and Connecticut. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Welcome back. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. And today we're talking Thanksgiving and family farms uh, with author Richard Horan and his book Harvest. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Richard, tell us about the cranberry harvest. That was the most interesting story to me, I think because I'm fascinated with how they're harvested. Well, I I knew nothing about uh, cranberry harvests whatsoever. And so the day we arrived... um, it was rather a wet day, and so we had uh, planned to go to a small bog and um, and help harvest there. But it was too wet to, har- to what's called dry harvest, mm-hmm. and so we uh, immediately went over to another bog and participated in uh, the wet harvest, uh-huh. which is really a fascinating and uh, sensual sort of experience, uh, especially visually. Yeah, uh, you come in and the um, into these these bogs that have been uh, flooded, and the berries are what's called rolled off. So there's a machine that the farmer drives across the bog, and it looks like the the machine is actually floating on the water because it has these two these four very uh, bald, large tires. So it looks like it's floating, but it's actually uh, driving across the bog. And in the back, there's what's called a roller, and they upset the berries and they loosen them and they float to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the only difficulty there is they have to, uh, the, the farmer has to make sure he knows where he's uh, rolled or he's just going to go around and around not know exact, exactly right. <laughs> where uh, he was before. So they, they put these sophisticated markers down. Uh, I, I couldn't really follow how he did it. But nonetheless, um, when that's all done, uh, they put a boom around those um, those cranberries, and then they tighten that. So uh-huh. it's this visual that I, I was certain that, uh, who was it, uh, sh- um, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the pointillism, uh, the famous uh, impressionist artist um, who did uh, Soro, I believe it, uh-huh. um, who I was certain must have gone and visited a cranberry bog during harvest season because <laughs> as you look down, it's all sort of these small little reds and yellows and, and you, can see, um, you can see faces and, and weird uh, shapes and, right. and things in the, um, 
in the water and, and in the cranberries. So anyway, um, so that's quite a visual display. It's very bright red and pink and yellow, and they, they, they tighten that boom around the, this big pond, you know, that's probably two acres. And, uh, and then they have another machine that's two stories high that, that sucks those uh, gran- cranberries up, and it separates the good cranberries from the bad cranberries, and there are some sophisticated contraptions within that machine that can tell the difference between the two. Right. I guess the, um, um, the, the good berries bounce and the bad berries don't. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was just an amazing experience to be out there and pushing those berries around in that bog. And, um, and also to know that the, um, the machines that are used are all made by what they call them, they call themselves cranberry men. Mm-hmm. So they're all made by the cranberry men themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all these engineers and mechanical, very, very smart people. Um, and the reason that they have to make the machines themselves is because the industry is just not big enough to support, um, you know, a manufacturing <laughs> end right, of it. Right, right, you, You'd have, what, how many clients would you have if you were in that business? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> Um, you know, that's, uh, what is it, Carver, Massachusetts. Uh, uh-huh. I guess they build themselves the cranberry capital of the world. And then the next day we participated in what's called the dry harvest, uh-huh. uh, which is completely different. Uh-huh. It's a much smaller scale. And they have these machines, again, that the cranberry men have made for themselves. And they're exactly like sideburn trimmers, uh, only, you know, maybe ten, uh, 100 times the size. Mm-hmm. So you push them along like a... A lawnmower, and um, and so this uh, this trimmer goes through the this bog, and um, and it, it it cuts off the uh, or it releases the berries, and then the the berries go up a conveyor belt, and then you you collect them in a burlap sack, and then when the sack is maybe half full, you you take it off, you put another one on. And right. It's very slow, meticulous work. Um, but uh, again, it's a totally different process. Uh, the the um, yes, those cranberries that are dry harvested are usually ones you buy in the packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that are wet harvested are usually made into jellies and into uh, <laughs> into the into can, drink. right? Or, or yes. the can, you know, that you like suction out of the can for Thanksgiving yes, Day. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, Take on the shape of the can. Exactly, itself, yeah. right. You get the ridges, right. Well, the thing that, that also resonated for me a lot in your book was the, uh, we were talking earlier about the themes and, and f- flexibility. And, you know, as a farmer, I think you're you're really jack of all trades. You are engineer, you're mechanic, you're artist, you're, you know, because you're you're doing garden design basically, planting design, you know. Then you're businessmen because you have to sell and you have to you know negotiate, um, and it, it's just amazing what what the farmer ends up doing um, for not oh, a lot gosh. of money, you know. Yeah, you've got that right on those two points right there. You know, you asked me what I was uh, struck me right away. Well, first I said it was the youth and the pace of things. Right. But I think the second uh, thing that took me by surprise was um, 
the uh, the quality of these people. Um, they're all Renaissance uh, men and women. Yeah. They can do anything and everything. They can make and fix machines. They can they can um, create machines. Yeah, as you said, they can run businesses. They can write. I mean, I look at my friend Jim Gerritsen, the main uh, potato farmer. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a Renaissance man if ever there was one. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he he writes and speaks like Abraham Lincoln, and he runs a um, a seed potato company. Uh, he fixes his machines. Uh, he you know there's nothing that these uh, people can't do. It seems. Yeah. And um, and at the same time, that was the other uh, the third um, idea that really hit me square between the eyes was the idea that it's uh, these are not rich people. No one is getting rich farming. No. It's not about money, and isn't that wonderful? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, th- the thing that was also, I-, I loved your writing in this book, because you were very self-deprecating, um, and and I-, I actually really, I found a lot of humor in your description of the personalities and the outlooks of each farm and, and farmer and-, and family that you met, and the personal perspectives um, that-, that you kind of engaged yourself with um, and and how that pers- and how those perspectives kind of played out in each farm and the idea of what goes around comes around you know yes well these are amazing people I, I mean I, I almost look at them all like family now when I, I talk about my farmers but um, I, I'm serious about that when I say that think about it I wrote them a letter and uh, most of the letters I wrote uh, um, were left un- unresponded to, but the ones who responded invited me into their home. Yeah, and they let me sleep with them and eat in their homes, uh-huh. and they took care of me. And they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't ask to see my references, or right, they didn't right. bet me in any way. Right. Uh, these are these are amazing people who, you know, when I arrived, uh, they welcomed me. Um, to their life and to their farms and family, just as if I were uh, an old, old friend. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And but so these are the types of people that I met uh, one right after the other. There wasn't uh, one um, uh, farmer who who acted or treated me uh, differently than any of the others. I was a member of the family. Right, right. And also just the community of people that, that you were harvesting with, some of the other seasonal workers, that, those were quite some funny um, uh, relationships. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I, uh, well, it, is, it, it definitely is a great fraternity when you're out there in the field and you're working hard and you're... Um, yeah. You know, harvesting, uh, you're not getting paid a great deal of money, but... Uh, yeah. You know that you're doing something special, and... Uh, yeah, and you're yeah, sweaty, and you're getting mosquito bites, and you're itchy and right. scratchy, and, you know, but it's it's amazing. It's it's the best work. Yes, uh, I agree. Um, you know, uh, it, it was so inspirational that my oldest daughter, um, she turned around and... Um, just finished, in fact, an internship on an organic farm in Hamilton, New York. Oh, nice. Thread, uh, farm up in Hamilton, and she was there for eight months after she had participated uh, just once when we went up to Maine and, and harvested the potatoes. But she was so, um, you know, moved and inspired by that experience that she turned around and uh, and did the organic farming right. herself. So let, let, me, let me go back and talk a, a second about 
literature um, and and your your passion as 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 well as 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 farming your newfound passion. <laughs> um, so tell us about your fascination and the intersection of literature writing and horticulture because this is your second book. The first book was was titled Seeds. And that was actually pretty fascinating, too, because that was a series of, of essays, I guess, based on uh, trees and writers, right? Right. I went around the country and I collected the seeds. I harvested the seeds from the trees of my favorite authors. childhood uh, authors' homes. Right. And um, I'm still working on that project, actually. We have 175 trees growing in upstate New York, um, um, the president of the New York State Arborist Association is now in charge of the program, but he's, you know, growing Helen Keller water oaks and uh, William Faulkner uh, Osage oranges and uh, Ken Kesey maples and Jack Kerouac maples and so on. Um, yeah, and so uh, that was my way, again, of physically connecting um, with those authors. So I was, um, I went around and, and gathered the seeds of these trees that actually had contact uh, with these great uh, immortal writers and people. Right, um, right. And, um, and so, you know, that was something, uh, as a creative writer, that uh, my creative instincts just uh, came up with that idea, and, and off I went with it. Um, but it is that sort of ability to connect um, literature... Um, and, and to inspire people to, to act. When I teach my students about, you know, what is it that writers uh, ultimately desire most from their reader, and it is that he or she wants to inspire that reader to act. Right. And so um, I found now um, getting away from, from fiction, which was my first two books, um, in writing nonfiction books, my... my um, I can take my, my fiction writing skills, put it into the nonfiction to, to inspire people to get up and do something. Right. Do well, something that, uh, that's meaningful to you, that's going to inspire you and enrich your life. Well, and that, that yeah. again, is a, is a theme in this Harvest book, because you were talking about um, action on a farm, and that um, a farm doesn't exist without action. And, right. And, you know, like, like the... the a farm is, is, is as good as its workers, basically, is, is what you were right. saying in several, as, in several instances in this book. So, again, that idea of youth and, um, and, and generation and what we can all accomplish if we act together, you know, and, right. and harvest right. together in the, in the and, and harvest. And that's what the writers want. You yeah. know, I start, I start often by, times by talking about Nikolai Gogol, the great, the great Russian writer, who died uh, by starvation because he, he, um, he, he was so depressed that his books had not inspired a revolution. Right. Well, right. we know that 30 years later, he, after he died, it did. But right. um, that's, that's the power of the written word that, um, um, that, that writers often believe in and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that people who read believe in, uh -huh. that this, this is a prime mover, uh, these words that, that are on the page. It's not just meant to be, you know, read on the beach. Right, uh, you know. right. Uh, so, um, yes, I've, I've been very lucky that I've had this opportunity to take, uh, take my ideas, my creativity, put it into 
from you know from the from the fiction realm mm-hmm. you know, uh, into the actual uh, real realm, the mm-hmm. nonfiction realm, and uh, well, and I'm hoping that there are many thousands of people out there gathering seeds from the trees that inspired them, and that also there are people out there who want to get to know their farmer and maybe go and and help. Uh, Helping the harvest sometime. Yeah. Well, your book Harvest is much more than about the harvest. I mean, it's about the harvest, but it's about uh, harvest on a personal, internal sense as well, and 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 the growth. You know, pardon the pun of of one's being and also one's food, and you know, it's 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 just a beautifully written book, and I encourage everybody to pick it up and and read because it's 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 funny, it's serious. Um, and, and you are inspiring other people and generations. And I think we're so disconnected from the land. And that's what your stories do is it, it brings back what we all should be engaged in, I think. It's, it's a beautiful book. Well, thank you very much, Alice. I, I appreciate that. Okay, one um, final question for you. Um, okay. After all of your visits, where do you see the future of these family farms and organic farms headed? Oh, as I said, I, th- I think these are, um, there's a groundswell movement. Um, these are, are, are iconic. I-, I believe the next generation is going to seek out uh, farming as a, as a way of life, and they're going to seek out farmers uh, as, as mentors and as, as role models. And, um, and so I, I'm... I am really um, sanguine about uh, the future of, of farming, uh, particularly organic farming on family farms. Great, great. Well, thank you for joining us. You've been listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank you so much, Richard Haran, for joining us in your book, Harvest, an Adventure into the Heart of America's Family Farms by HarperCollins and for sharing your travel and farming experiences. Thanks to Jack Inslee for producing and to Joe G for engineering. Happy Thanksgiving and happy gardening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.